Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be the readings for the fourth Sunday of Easter. The fourth Sunday of Easter. It's um, it's also um, Mother's Day as well as uh, Good Shepherd Sunday. It's the uh, interesting days. I think about it. Mother's Day, you can think about the Blessed Mother. Jesus' mother, and also the good shepherd who she gave birth to, who is also uh, our eternal king, our uh, our God, Jesus Christ. All right, well, let's begin with the act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me and uh, and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and peace on uh, on earth to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and, and in the glory of God the Father. Amen. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay. So, let's begin. So today is um, Good Shepherd Sunday. And the readings are going to be focused on Christ as the resurrected Christ, but you will also notice in the readings how his wounds, because he's referred to as the Lamb of God, and because he's the Lamb of God, which is in the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse, that shows that his wounds, uh, he still intercedes, and because he intercedes, so does the saints. They can intercede on our, on our behalf. Our loved ones who are in heaven can intercede on our behalf. Um... I, you know, this is an interesting thing. I was listening, you know, like Dinesh D'Souza. He, for the last few months, he was doing, uh, reading um, Dante's Divine Comedy. Divine Comedy is really great. And he got to the part of purgatory. And he, you know, I think, I know he was raised Catholic. I don't know if he still attends a Catholic church, but he's still Catholic. And he, it's funny, like he said that, Purgatory shows that it's it's a necessary mercy. Purgatory is uh, God's uh. mercy, mercy for us. He he intercedes for us. This is what basically he did. You don't go to hell 
if you're in purgatory. If you're in hell, in hell, you don't go to purgatory. From purgatory, you only go to heaven. But because people still struggle, and trust me, we all know about people who struggle with their addictions. There are people who struggle with pornography. There are people who struggle with even all kinds of greed, like not letting go of their money. And yet they're still good people, but they, they struggle. And we all do. We all struggle with these particular vices and sins that haunt us and plague us even to the moment we die. It doesn't mean we're not saved. It just means that, well, we live in a world where this kind of stuff is still possible. You know, where where sins are still possible. There are some Christians who think like once saved is always saved. That may be true, but it doesn't mean once saved doesn't mean you don't struggle. That once saved doesn't mean you're not going to fall back. But it doesn't mean that you don't, you can't even lose your salvation because it's kind of like deceptive because think about it. What happens when people see something horrible happens to an individual? They find some individual could change completely because of their alcoholism or their drug and it shocks a person. It scandalizes, right? So what are you going to say to, 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 to someone who is not experienced? Once, once saved doesn't mean you can't fall into sin it's going to be there it's going to follow us for the rest of our lives and we have to admit that it takes sometimes it takes a long time before you 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 finally embrace what what god has um what god has prepared for us it's beautiful but we have to accept it sin is a a constant um struggle that we're going to go through and we have to be prepared for that. And we have to also be prepared how to answer, especially people who might be weaker of faith, who might be young Christians, new Christians. They're going to be scandalized. They're going to be scandalized by evil. They're going to be scandalized when scandal comes. Scandal has to come. So we got to be prepared for that. What happens when you, when you have that? What happens? You know, how do you answer that? You can't pretend it, does, it didn't happen. It happens. Anyway, let's uh, let's begin. All right, a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, verse 14, 43 to 52. We now turn to the Gentiles, a reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and Barnabas continued on from Pergia, Perga and reached Antioch in Physidia. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and took their their seats. Many Jews and worshippers who were converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to remain faithful to the grace of God. On the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and with violent abuse contradicted what Paul and Paul said. Both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and condemn yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has 
commanded us, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. The Gentiles were delighted when they heard this and glorified the word of the Lord. All who were destined for eternal life came to believe. And the word of the Lord continued to be to spread out through the whole region. The Jews, however, incited the women of prominence who were worshippers and the leading men of the city and stirred up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their territory. So they took the, so they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and, and the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So now in this uh, text from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, we, um, you know, we see if, you, if you're keeping track, uh, reading uh, the liturgical readings throughout the week, you see how the gospel is spreading out. And you notice what Paul and Barnabas do. First, they go to the synagogue and they present the good news of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, Yeshua, as the Jews would, would know, would call him, would know him as, and they present the gospel. But it seemed um, a jealousy broke out. Uh, fear, uh, most likely because this threatened uh, traditions. Uh, it, uh, it, it threatened the power structure that in the old covenant uh, was in place for so long. You know, I mean, we saw this in Jesus when um, in his days, uh, how the Pharisees were were threatened because certain, not that the traditions of the Jews were bad, but what happened was, is that as a system uh, remains in place in the hands of, of uh, human beings, um, a system sprouts off other things, it, uh, other things grow around uh, that religious system. It happens even within the Catholic church, <clears throat> unfortunately. Uh, it's mainly the human element rather than the divine element. Um, even when, say, something that is divine is handed over, um, layers begin to build up. You know, it's like a government. You know how they say, uh, you know how between Republicans and Democrats, you hear about big government versus little government. And... Um, what happens in in a system that's been in place for so long? You get bu bureaucracies uh, and and other programs are are set up in place, and it keeps growing and growing and growing, and then suddenly you can't recognize the system anymore that was originally set up because now you see there are so many different layers that have grown around it that have built up on it. You know, it's like. Uh, new groups sprout up, and within the new groups, uh, they they start building their, um, I guess you can say their offices, 
like a city. A city grows and grows and grows. And then, you know, within the government of that local government, that city, they get, you get other programs, right? You get, uh, you know, other uh, bureaucracies that are set up. It's the same thing what happened with Judaism. And what happens is when someone comes along and they begin to reform, not a revolution, not a revolt, a reform. And what happens is that certain people within place begin to feel threatened. Uh, suddenly the spotlight's on them, right? Jesus did that. He put the spotlight on uh, on certain groups and they begin to be, they feel threatened. They feel their position, their power, their livelihood is threatened. Well, that's what happened uh, again with Paul and Barnabas. Um, what happened was, is that they had um, the Jews within that city um, had the attention and the, the ears and minds of the local Gentiles who attended the services, but were not convert. They were known as God fearers. And suddenly, um, Paul and Barnabas are telling them that you can participate in the faith. You can, you can be a follower of God. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to, um, go through, you know, because a lot of people didn't, a lot of men don't want to go through uh, circumcision as a grown man. And then suddenly now Paul and Barnabas are telling them about this new faith, this new practice you can participate in. You don't need uh, to go through circum the ritual of circumcision. All you have to do is be baptized. And you don't have to practice the kosher laws. You don't have to practice these particular um, particular rich, uh, purification rituals that Judaism requires. You don't have to go to the temple to practice the this particular uh, worship of God. Very attractive. Now suddenly, um, I guess you can see the collection book box looks the collection plate looks very thin the following sabbath um and it begins to feel threatening to them suddenly maybe you might have you might have lost some of the your um your gentile converts and suddenly your synagogue meeting looks maybe a little bit thinner than last the last sabbath suddenly you're threatened and that's what happened. They began to persecute Paul and Barnabas. Now, I'm sure it wasn't just that, what you call um, shallow of a materialistic approach. But suddenly, this teaching, this is contradicting their teaching. This interpretation of scripture is, in, is contradicting their interpretation suddenly it's not making them look good in the light uh in the light it's it's threatening them it's threatening their their um their place it's threatening their 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 interpretation of scripture and they don't like it 
they don't like us, so they begin to persecute Paul and Barnabas. They begin to, um, I guess you can say, the word is now spread disinformation or misinformation, and it starts, it starts looks, it starts looking bad. It starts getting very violent, and that's what happened. Okay, and um, I mean, you hear here, you, you see something here. This is what um, Paul and Barnabas quoted here. I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. Uh, unfortunately, I don't, um, I don't have the uh, the scripture passage here, but I'm taking a guess. Um, this could be a psalm or from Isaiah, but it's it, it definitely it's probably, you know, it's probably one of those. Um, Quotes that probably makes more sense if you look at the Subduagent, the Greek translation, but you could still see it in the Old Testament as well. It's uh, it definitely sheds light and it definitely makes things look a little different and a little th and more threatening to the Pharisees who who had who had a lot of control over the synagogues. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the Psalm. All right, Psalm 100, and the response is, We are his people, the sheep of his uh, flock. Alleluia. Sing joyful to the Lord, O you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, and come before him with joyful song. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. Alleluia. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. His we are. His people, the flock he, he tends. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. Alleluia. The Lord is good. His kindness endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. Alleluia. So this here is the psalm. And this is basically Good Shepherd Sunday, right? I mean, this is what they call it, Good Shepherd Sunday. It's also Mother's Day. Uh, who knows? Maybe the reading might be uh, is going to be different in your local parish, but it's both. It's it's mainly Good Shepherd Sunday, and we're going to hear the theme that Jesus is our shepherd. He's the Good Shepherd, mm -hmm. and this is very important for us. We have to um, look at Christ as the shepherd of our souls, the shepherd of our hearts, the shepherd who cares about us. And I think this is something that we, we have to learn to emphasize. A lot of times, because we hear a lot of preaching, it becomes, you know, the usual uh, shtick, you know, the usual message. But really... I want you to take it really to heart, really serious. He knows us more than we know ourselves. He knows us psychologically more better than any therapist could ever know us, better than any psychoanalyst could know you. Um, he knows us better than what our wife or husband 
would know us. He, God, Christ, God. All right, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit knows us because he made us. And a lot of people, they sometimes wonder, does God pay attention to me? Does God, does God, um, does God hear the cry in my heart? Does God know the pain I'm going through? Um, does he know how afraid I am? Does he know how lonely I am? Does he know how sad I am? Does he know how abandoned and, and, and um, empty I sometimes feel? You know, and the answer is yes. It may not, it may not feel like it. And I know a lot of times we wonder, how come he, he doesn't answer me? And the answer is, he does. He knows what we're going through. He knows who we are. And he knows what we need. Okay, the, I think the important answer, uh, the important question also is, or maybe this thought, maybe the best way I could put it is, is a thought, is a thought, is 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 a thought of what you go through every day. We may not know it, but we get our, we get what we need. He answers us, and he does provide for us when we don't even know it. Right? It may not be what we want. But every... Every moment of every day... We... He provides for us. Every moment of every day... We are in the right place where we should be. We encounter the right people that we should encounter. We, we, um, we have the right, the right friends. We have the right family members. We are in the right place, like working. I know it's not fun. Trust me. I know that it may not be what we want, we, we we probably have a better idea in our head what would make us happy or what we think would make us happy. We don't like, nobody, a lot of people are not crazy about their job. You know, it's funny. I just saw the other day um, several comic book artists passed away, fantasy art. Um, uh, there was an, an illustrator named Bama he uh, was a, um, a fantasy pulp fiction illustrator like like Frazetta, one of uh, one of my favorite illustrators. He used to do a lot of fantasy stuff on Conan. He was very popular for that. And then about <clears throat> some time ago, um, Neil Adams, a very famous comic book artist, passed away. And then just recently, George Perez. Perez. Um, I'm going to focus on him a little bit more because he passed away from the same um, sickness that my father passed away, uh, pancreatic cancer. 
and uh, I don't. I like I said, I don't know nothing about the man's personal life, but I do know that Perez was self-taught, I believe, and <clears throat> he, you know, he connected to people through his art and fantasy. Maybe it's not the most, what you call the most important thing in the world. But he had a lot of, uh, he did touch a lot of people with his art and his fantasy and his illustrate, his comic book storytelling. And he was surrounded. He, you know, it's funny. It, it's sad. He, his parents, I believe, were still alive. He passed away at 67. Um, Neil Adams passed away at 71. Both men worked on Superman Batman and stuff like that. And uh, Perez, uh, I noticed people focused on, on a little bit more. You know, maybe it's because there was more um, warmth in his photos, I think. Not saying that Adams was not a warm man, but there was seems to have been a more welcoming um, uh, uh I guess you could say, look to his to his face and to his photographs. I noticed that people warmed up to him a little bit more. And it's sad how the man passed away. It's sad that he, you know, but he was surrounded by his wife. <clears throat> he was surrounded by friends and he touched a lot of people. And like I say, I don't know nothing else about the man, but, you know, it's, you know, it was nice seeing the responses, basically. We, <clears throat> we are given the, the environment we're given, and God does provide us the environment we need uh, for, with people. We connect, you know, it, you know, the right people are put on our path. The right friends, the right relatives, you know, not all our relatives we connect with, right? Not all our relatives we connect with. The job may not be ideal, but it's not so much the job, I think, it's the environment and the people around it that are given to us the necessary need, um, the necessary thing we need. We needed, we need that kind of environment. We need that kind of friendship. We need uh, the the right people to, I guess you could say, God communicates to us and points us to the direction we need to go spiritually. If we are focused on God, sometimes we know that there are people that don't focus on God and they focus on the wrong, the kind of people that feed their bad habits. I mean, pay attention to that. That, that actually is true. It actually very much is true. So a lot of times that's that's what goes on. Okay, so um, let's move on. Okay, the second reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9, um, about 14 to 17. The Lamb will shepherd them and lead them to springs of life-giving water. A reading from the book of Revelation, the apocalypse given to St. John. I, John, had a vision 
of a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders said to me, These are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they stand before God's throne and worship him day and night in his temple. The one who sits on the throne will shelter them. They will not hunger or thirst any more, nor will the sun or any heat strike them. For the Lamb who is in the center of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This, uh, one of the beautiful things I have to say I enjoy about the book of Revelation, I really appreciate the book of Revelation, is because when, <clears throat> before I became Catholic, the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse was always, 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 um, it was used differently in the hand, in the hands or the interpretations of evangelical Christians, Protestants. It was a very different um, take. Um, it wasn't liturgical. One of the things about we notice, uh, if you notice it, like they're always trying to figure out the future. They're always trying to uh, use it to interpret uh, the events that will come. And, and all that is true. It's true in many ways. It's very true that it does speak about it, but it doesn't, it's different in the hands of, of, uh, of Catholics and uh, I would say Orthodox Christians. The book of Revelation, if you take it out of the context of uh, liturgy, it's, it's a liturgical book. The lamb is already slain. The lamb is slain because, remember, when Jesus resurrected, one of the things that was noticeable to the apostles was the fact that you could see his, um, the wounds, you can see the pierced the piercings in his wrists, his hands, you know, his feet, and the piercing in his side. That, 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 that didn't heal. So when John says he saw the lamb that was slain, right? And, and if you notice like the, the elders, the saints in heaven, behold the lion of Judah, and then John looks, and what does he describe? Does he describe a lion? No, he describes the lamb, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. You know, he, he calls Jesus the lamb, the lamb of God. What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? He referred to Jesus as the lamb of God. A lamb and a lion are completely two different things. 
right? We know the lion devours the lamb. But in this case, the lamb and the lion is the same person. It's Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ. He is the lion because he defeated sin. He is the lion of Judah because he will he will he will rule from the throne of Jacob, I mean of David, and rule over the house of Jacob forever. He is the lamb because as the lamb of God, right? The lamb of God, he is the one who takes away the sins of the world. He redeems mankind. He is the one perfect sacrifice. Very different. Very different than, um, you know, what, how Protestants, they, they do see these things, but they don't have a liturgy. They don't have a liturgy the way we have a liturgy. They don't, in a sense, uh, have a liturgical cycle the way we do. The, the fact is, if you read the book of Revelation and you read it in the context in the Gospel of John, you'll see the similarities. Although scholars will say that it's a very different author. It, it, it's not. It's the same theme. Um, if you... If you look at it and read it also in the in the context of the other writings, the other gospels, the, the synoptic, and even the writings of St. Paul, you'll notice certain themes. You'll notice certain themes. Jesus is still the Passover lamb. He's still the Passover lamb because there are set yet souls yet unborn. He's still the Passover lamb because there because their souls still committing sin. And he's still going to, to redeem them. He's still redeeming the world. Um, it's, you know, you got to look at it from that perspective. He's the, notice the, the line, the lamb who sits from the center of the throne. The center of the throne. Remember, Jesus says, I and my father are one of the same. If you see me, you see the father. The, the Holy Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, imagery. And also there's truth in it. The the souls of the saints who who survived the great the, the, the trial of great distress, tribulation and persecution. That's still happening in the world, right? It's still happening. It hasn't ended. There's still persecution. I mean, look at just recently now because of this Supreme Court thing, because they leaked out certain someone leaked out the the judge's decision on Roe versus Wade. There have been Catholic churches being being attacked. Right? Do you hear the media talking about it? No, it's okay for them. It's okay because it's Catholics. A little per, a little pressure on Christians to to. Um, so they can, you know, so, so they can change their, uh, you know, change the mind of the politicians. That's okay for the, for, for, for one side that can use violence because violence is a tool. No, we're still, you know, we're still living in, you know, in, in persecution that hasn't ended and is not likely to stop. It's going to get worse. 
because that's one of the things that we're, we're told that it will get worse as time goes by. You know, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. And this is, this is what it's talking about, the great distress. They, they stood before the throne and before the lamb wearing white robes, holding them in branches in their hands. And then what it says here, then one of the elders said to me, these are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. You know, you can see the contradiction there, right? Um, Blood in this side of reality does not turn anything white. But the fact that he is the redeemer and he wiped his blood, it washes away the sins of of the believers. His blood uh, purifies because he is the redeemer. He is the redeemer. He is the sacrifice in place for us. Um, for this reason, they stand before God's throne and worship him day and night in his temple when we we are completed i mean now we can't imagine in our minds the idea of what worshiping day and night is something beyond our grasp of reality but the idea is that we find ourselves complete and fulfilled in god it through his son jesus christ through god the through God the Father, through the Son, Jesus Christ. Worship, worshiping God day and night is when we're complete and we're whole. This is what will make us whole. We can't picture that. We cannot comprehend that. But worshiping the Christ, the, the Christ will make us whole. There'll be nothing else we want. It's only His needs. His needs that matter, not not yours, not not mine. All right, so um, let's move on to the next. All right, the Gospel of John. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am the good shepherd, says the Lord. I know my sheep and mine know me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A reading from the Gospel according to St. John chapter... 10 verse 27 to 30 I give my sheep eternal life reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John Jesus said my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one can take them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can take them out of the father's hand the father and i are one it's a very short one to, uh, today um read it one more time jesus said my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one can take them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Notice what he says there. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. And then he goes on to say, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Father's hand and the Son's hand is one and the same because the Father and the Son are one. Okay. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The salvation of the Father and the salvation of the Son is the same. Okay. Though the Father is greater than the Son, yet the Father and the Son are one and the same. That's, this is, this is, this is right there in the scripture. I mean, it's well, it's beautifully written, but it's because it's the truth and because Christ said it. And because Christ said it, it's the truth. And because Christ himself is the truth. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. You know, the shepherd, the father, if the son is the shepherd, the father's the shepherd. If the son is the savior, the father's the savior. Yet the son is the redeemer. Yet because he's the redeemer, because the father sent him. It's, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, well, beautiful um, promise made by Christ. In the book of Revelation, he's, he's the lamb who, who will shepherd us. It says it here. It says it here. Okay. The lamb who is in the center of the throne will shepherd them. So he's still a shepherd. Even now, he's still the shepherd. He is the eternal shepherd. He is the the God shepherd. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's beautiful because when you look at it, think about it. He will, he will watch over the, over us in great distress. Great distress can be anything. It could be sickness. It could be disease. It could be uh, persecution. Uh, it could be anything. It could be loneliness. It could be uh, a broken heart, anything, anything. He is the eternal shepherd. He is the God shepherd. That's beautiful. All right, let's uh, let's move on from here uh, to the uh, closing prayers. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Of all things visible and invisible, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. 
and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and, I, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Wow. It's it's good to um you know, to um to say these prayers with you. Um I know I've been a little slow lately, um putting him out. I'm going to try to be ahead, but unfortunately, you know how it is when you go back to work, um, your schedule and coming home on the train, you're just exhausted, um, exhausted because of the, of the schedule. And sometimes, uh, my train ride is a lot longer than it should, unfortunately. And, um, you know, so I'll try the best I can to catch up with things to be on schedule. All right. God bless.